0: Hi everybody, you're listening to That's a Bad Sign. I'm Liz.
1: And I'm Emily, and this is the true crime podcast we host most Thursdays. We will start with recommendation corner, and is it me? Do I go first? Yes, you go first. This isn't a strong recommendation. This is just something I've been watching recently, and it's okay. Uh, Have you heard of the show on Netflix called Ginny and Georgia? Yes, I have watched... At least the first season of it. It's essentially a modern day Gilmore Girls, but a, a lot darker. It's about a mother and daughter in their relationship, and the mother has a very colorful, vigilante past. I don't know if that's the right word. And it, it's also very much a show geared towards teens. I feel pretty stupid watching it. It's meant for like 17 year olds to watch. But if you're looking for something easy to pass time and you run out of true crime podcasts, you can give this one a. A try. I love it because mine is kind of along the same vein as
0: that. What's yours? Mine is the show The Samurai Turned Pretty.
1: You are the 10th person to tell me to watch it.
0: <laughs> it's maybe even cheesier than Ginny and Georgia, but it's such a good show. It, it kind of just like brings me back to being in high school, and boy drama, and all of that kind of stuff. And it was a book. So I know like full grown adults who are actually reading these books now. And they're like, these are definitely meant for younger, like the young adult readers, because I'm breezing through them.
1: But they're just there's something about them that is just so good. After Ginny and Georgia, I will watch it because so many people have told me that it's really entertaining. Yeah, I think you'll like it. And it's on Amazon.
0: Really quickly before we get into my story... I did see an update today on Rex Heerman on the news, Ooh. and they were excavating his backyard. So That's a bad sign. Yeah, that's major tabs. So maybe we'll see some breaking news in the next couple of days.
1: And of course, we'll keep you guys posted, but just thought it was interesting. I also saw they got his car that he sold years ago. So they found the car that he was using during the murders that he no longer owns. They were able to trace it down. That is interesting. I didn't know that, but seems like they're piecing
0: it together here, real quick. All righty. My references include an episode of 2020, Wikipedia, and an article from the Washington Post. Chandra Ann Levy was born in Cleveland, Ohio, in April of 1977 to her parents, Robert and Susan Levy. The family. At one point during her childhood, moved to Modesto, California, where Chandra attended high school. On a side note, I just feel like I've done so many cases that reference Modesto, California. I don't know why. I wonder if there's like a college. There has to be. I feel like I've heard that before, for sure. Chandra went on to attend San Francisco State University, where she earned a degree in journalism. She then went on to further her education at the University of Southern California, where she was going to get a master's in public administration. So she's a go-getter. In her final semester, Chandra moved to Washington, D.C. to intern with the FBI. Damn. I know. So cool. They were saying in the articles and everything that it was her dream to work for the FBI. And I'm like, oh, that's my dream, too. I just never uh, did anything to uh, pursue it. <laughs>
1: I think you have to be really, really smart, speak multiple languages, Like <laughs> not really our uh, our forte. Yeah, well, that's why I work
0: in tech. Anywho, Chandra really excelled at her internship. She impressed her bosses there with her professionalism and hard work, especially during a time of media inquiries that they were getting and she was fielding during the investigation of Timothy
1: McVeigh, who was the Oklahoma City bomber. Oh, wow. Uh, side note. Why are they having an intern field those questions? <laughs> I have no idea.
0: It's a very good question. <laughs> so, Chandra completed her internship, and she was scheduled to return back to California in May of that year, which was 2001, for her graduation from her master's program. But on May sixth, two 2001, Chandra's parents called the Metropolitan Police Department, or the MPD, to report that they had not heard from their daughter in five days. Aww. Now, this was really unusual, and remember, she was supposed to head home to California to get her degree, so this was even more unusual. The police went over to Chandra's apartment, where they found Chandra's luggage packed like she was ready to head home. Her driver's license, her credit card, and her cell phone were all still in her apartment. Tabs. Tabs. The only two things missing were her keys and a ring, which was a college graduation gift from her parents. Police began canvassing the surrounding area, including a park nearby called Rock Creek Park. And Chandra's mother at the same time decided to look into her daughter's recent phone records to see if anything stood out. While doing this, she noticed that there was one number that was called many, many, many times, so she decided to call this number herself. The man who picked up on the end of the line was Congressman Gary Condit, who was married and had two kids. Oh, my God. Yeah. So why had he been calling her? Why was she calling him? He left her voicemails saying things like, what does your schedule look like? I'm pretty good this day. Blah, blah, blah. Just looking a little shady. What year is this? 2001. Damn. Okay. After finding this out, police obviously brought him in to be questioned. And he admitted that they were, quote, unquote, dating... Or something along the lines of in a close relationship, but he wouldn't say if it was sexual or not. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, and it also sounds like Chandra had vaguely referenced her relationship to her family and her coworkers, but never really mentioned a name. Obviously, this information leaked to the news, and this sparked an insane media frenzy, as you can imagine. you got a politician in D.C., you've got a sex scandal, and you have a missing woman who works for the FBI. Right. The congressman vehemently denied that he had anything to do with Chandra's disappearance, but the parents just didn't believe him, because how could you really believe just his word? And the police needed to look down that path further. But Condit tried to go on with his normal life, going to meetings around D.C., etc., but he was constantly swarmed with cameras. Yeah. Then it started to come out that Condit had relationships with several other women as well. Oh, no. But Congressman Condit still claimed he had nothing to do with this disappearance, and he became really fed up with the accusations and the allegations against him. So he agreed to sit down for an interview with Connie Chung. He should probably resign his job. <laughs> no, these people don't resign. They're just so egotistical. <laughs> so in the interview, he admits to having a quote unquote close relationship with Chandra Levy, but he denies having anything to do with her disappearance. When Connie Chung asks if they had a sexual relationship, he says that out of respect for his marriage and for the Levies, he would not answer that question. That's a yes. Yeah. I mean, like, obviously, you'd just say no if it wasn't true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it turns out he didn't need to admit that he was having sex with Chandra because underwear taken from her apartment was tested and confirmed to have his bodily fluids on them. So this guy's the worst. Yeah. So clearly the media doesn't drop this. I mean, young woman missing politics. We, are, we said it all. They're not going to let this one go until... September came around. More specifically, September 11th, 2001. Oh no. As you can imagine, all of the media coverage shifts and the case is really just losing steam. Also important to note that the FBI had been helping out with this case, but clearly they had to devote their resources to the investigation of the September 11th attacks. So they had to pull everyone from this case. Months start to go by and the case essentially goes cold. But then, on May 22nd, 2002, at 9.30 a.m., a a man walking his dog in Rock Creek Park stumbles upon
1: human skeletal remains. Oh, no. So this is just over a year after she went missing. How is somebody stumbling on her remains a year later? Like, were they hidden? So apparently, it was like a 100
0: yards off the footpath, but he and his dog were, I don't know. Like, just messing around. One article said they were looking for turtles or something weird. I don't know. (laughs) But but he calls 911 and says, hey, I've found a human skull. Like, it's pretty clear that it's a human skull. So these remains are five miles from Chandra's apartment and were identified using dental records because that's all you can really do at this point. And this park, Rock Creek Park, is enormous. Like, twice as big as Central Park. I had no idea. I know. I was like, who knew DC had parks that big? I guess I don't really know that much about the geography there. (laughs) Who knew? (laughs) I'm like, bigger? There's parks bigger than Central Park? What? (laughs) (laughs) Uh. When investigators get to the scene, along with the bones, they find Chandra's Reebok sneakers and her jogging pants tied in knots, but no sign of her gold ring. And this discovery ends up being bittersweet because on one hand, it gives the family remains to bury, but it also confirms that she was likely
1: murdered. Yeah. And this is interesting. So it sounds like she was out for a run. That's what it seems like. Yeah. Okay. And on top of all of this,
0: it also embarrasses the Metropolitan Police Department because they had searched that park in the days after Chandra's disappearance, but they didn't look Deep enough. They just didn't get that far off of the footpath. So stupid. And if they had found her remains back then, there could have been usable DNA, other evidence, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And that wasn't the only misstep from police. Apparently, after Chandra's disappearance, as they were going through all of her belongings in her apartment and all of that, an untrained officer tried to go through her computer and accidentally corrupted all the data. What an idiot. You have one job. I know, but I'm also like, this is 2001. What even was the
1: computer back then? <laughs> they probably had no idea how to investigate these things, you know? Yeah, but to corrupt everything, it's almost like you had to be trying to be that stupid. Yeah.
0: Anyway, big
1: mistake. Uh, And if they had properly
0: known how to actually comb through that data, they would have found that Chandra had recently Googled Rock Creek Park. So perhaps they would have put a little bit more effort into searching that area, you know? Yeah. All right. So four years after this, the who in this case goes unanswered. Until a new police chief named Kathy Lanier took over and replaced the lead detectives on this case with apparently more seasoned detectives who had additional... Homicide background. At this point, the congressman is not really being looked at as a suspect really at all. And the police shift their focus to a man named Ingmar Guandique, a 20 year old undocumented construction worker from El Salvador. So Guandique had been arrested for attacking two female joggers in Rock Creek Park just two months after Chandra's disappearance. Oh no. Both of those women luckily fought him off and survived. But still, like, how could you not at least take a look into that with, you know, relating to this
1: case? Especially because she lived so close.
0: His MO was to sit on a park bench. He would see a female jogger that he liked the looks of, and then he would jump up and chase after them, pull <gasps> them by their neck, and drag them into the woods. Oh, my God. That's so scary. It's so terrifying. And now you see all these, like, stories on TikToks and everything, and that's why... Everyone's carrying around pepper spray, alarm buttons, all of these things these days. Yeah, I need to get pepper spray. Police searched Gwondike's cell in September of 2008 and found a photo of Chandra that he had saved from a magazine. Hmm. And then they subsequently interrogated him, and eventually he's arrested and charged with Chandra's murder. Police knew that Guandique didn't go to work the day that Chandra disappeared, They also knew that he had marks on his face in the days after his disappearance. But let's be real, you and I both know that's not enough for a conviction. Yeah.
1: Circumstantial evidence.
0: But the prosecution had a witness up their sleeve. A man by the name of Armando Morales, who was a California gang member with an extensive record. Apparently, in 2006, Morales and Guandique shared a cell at a federal prison for committing separate crimes. But at one point, Guandique allegedly confessed to Morales that he murdered Chandra Levy. He said that he had killed her while he was trying to rob her, but that he didn't rape her. Doesn't make it that much better. No. So on November 22nd, 2010, three days after the jury deliberation began, the jury convicted him on two counts of first-degree murder, and he is sentenced to 60 years in prison.
1: Bye! You would
0: think. But... No. Two years later, the defense uncovers a detail that was missed the first time around. A detail relating to the star witness, Morales. So he apparently had a history of working with law enforcement in the past, which is something that would have needed to be revealed to the
1: jury. Yeah, you have to disclose that.
0: So since that information wasn't disclosed, this is enough for D.K.'s attorney to file an appeal of his conviction. All right. But things like that, as we know, take a really long time to get settled, approved, denied, whatever. And then things start to get a little weird. So in December of 2012, and I think February of 2013, there are some secret hearings that take place revolving around this case, but that information is not released to the public. Eventually, a new trial is scheduled for sometime in 2015. However, three months before that trial is supposed to start, Prosecutors drop the charges. What? The DA office says, quote, the office has concluded it can no longer prove the murder case against Mr. Guandique beyond a reasonable doubt. That's really sad for her family. So sad. And you might be wondering what happened here. Yeah. It turns out that Morales had been put up in a hotel before the trial was supposed to begin, and he struck up a friendship with this woman named Babs Proler or Prawler. And she started learning a little bit more about him and his background. And she ended up being like kind of weary of him knowing that he was in federal prison. He
1: was part of a gang, etc. So she started to record their conversations like extensively. Wait, I'm confused. So she starts dating this guy, but starts recording his conversations. She claims that they're not dating. They just have this weird friendship where they hang out and he watches
0: her dog sometimes. And they both live in this hotel. I don't know. She seems like a bit of an oddball to me. But she's recording him. Interesting. I'm talking like over seven hours of recordings. Wow. So she comes forward and says that she has recording of Morales saying that law enforcement wanted him to lie so that they could convict Guandique. That's horrible. He says they knew they had their guy. They just didn't have enough to get the conviction. So they needed a witness or a confession of some sort. So that's why they came to him. Now, in all of the recordings that I've not listened to, obviously, I didn't sit here and listen to seven hours of recordings, but in all of the readings and like shows that I have watched on this, nobody can find the actual recording where he says that. And in fact, they only find information that he says that kind of doubles down on his original testimony saying that he did admit to him
1: that he committed the crime. So the whole thing is really confusing. I don't understand why that's the narrative, if that's not what the tape is saying. I don't know. This woman says that she
0: had that in that tape at some point, so maybe it just somehow got deleted. Those things can happen, but I'm not really sure. The point is, this case gets dropped, and it basically is just destroyed.
1: So no one ever goes to prison?
0: So, I mean, he was already in prison, but he doesn't get convicted of this crime, and Guandique has since been deported back to El Salvador. So I don't know what he's doing there. Maybe he's in prison there for something else. I'm not really sure. Hopefully he stays away. I'm not, I don't know. I mean, it's it's a really, I will admit, it's an unsatisfying ending to this case. However, I think we can all uh, kind of agree that he likely did commit this murder. It's just frustrating between the police mishaps and then allegedly the lawyers trying to convince people to lie on the stands
1: in order to make their case. It just got messy. Yeah, that's really sad. Like in your gut, you feel like you know who did it, but you'll never see justice.
0: We can't be cutting corners here. So I guess that's kind of another way to think about some other cases, like when you get frustrated and you wonder why, how, do, how come they didn't arrest this person earlier? You know, they, they really need to be able to prove these things or else they're going to end up in a situation like this. And then everybody loses.
1: Uh, any update on the congressman? Uh, he lost his reelection <laughs> naturally.
0: I think after you're seen as a, Serial cheater and potential suspect in a missing person slash murder case. It's no surprise that his constituency was not about to stand behind him. So I don't know what he's doing
1: now, but he definitely lost his reelection. Yeah, definitely makes it tough to get reelected. You're right. Anyway, that is my story for the week. Hope you had a good listen. I loved it and I hope our listeners did, too, because we definitely need a few more reviews. We got two since last week, so I want to thank you guys. Moving on up. But if anybody's listening, you haven't left a review yet or given us five stars, please, 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 wherever you get your podcasts. It just made me laugh when you said if anybody's listening, it reminded me
0: of like... um of like a movie where everyone is like dead like a zombie apocalypse apocalypse movie like i am legend when he's like if anybody's out
1: there (laughs) if anybody is listening to this
0: please we're begging you um but for real we love reviews go follow us on instagram tell your friends to listen to us and oh just another update and i know i keep bringing up the gilgo beach murders but Emily did inform me that we had two listens on our Gilgo Beach episode from Massapequa, which is the town that Rex Ehrman's
1: from. So we're a little freaked out, but and there's no way to know if he listened, but we had no other Massapequa listeners to any of our other episodes. So I'm starting to think it might have been him. Should we write to him and ask? (laughs) (laughs) Actually, why the heck not? (laughs)